We started a series last week called Gone Fishing. And it's about the power of invitation. And last week I got some criticism, to be quite honest with you. I had a pair of pants on similar to these. And these zip off, by the way. They turn into shorts. They transform from long pants into short pants. And I had this nice Columbia shirt. It's crisp. It was blue. It had white buttons. And, and then I had this like safari hat on. And they said, you don't fish in that. And it looked nice, but they were right. I really don't fish in that. This is more like what it is. You know, here's our tournament shirt. When we fish in tournaments, this is the one I got on. This hat, we don't believe in superstition or magic, but it is anointed by the Holy Spirit of an almighty God. That when somehow or another, when I put this thing on, it looks like it's been hit with a lawnmower. I will not throw this away because when I put it on, somehow or another, it's the same spirit that brought 153 fish to get into a net thrown by the disciples. They just looked for me at that point. But we talked about the power of invitation. That this Jesus, he was just walking by a river. John the Baptist looks at him and says, there's the Lamb of God. And two of John the Baptist's disciples immediately start following Jesus at a distance. Now, if you got in your mind kind of the stalking mode, you know, that's kind of what it was. These two guys, they're strange, they're kind of at a distance. It bothers Jesus so much, he look, turns around and says, hey, what are y'all doing? They said, hey, we heard you were the Lamb of God. We want to investigate more. And he says, well, come and spend the day with me where I'm staying. And we realize that Jesus never owned a house. So he's probably staying with a family member or a friend. And these two guys show, probably Andrew and Philip. And at the end of their conversations, at the end of their encounter with this Jesus, the Lamb of God, they start going out with an invitation. Jesus invited them to come to where he was. And that invitation got so contagious that Andrew went and got his brother Philip and said, you've got to come and see the Messiah. We found him. And he was so excited, he went and got two partners, James and John. And by the time that Philip got there, Philip started going out looking for a friend named Nathaniel. And Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree and he said, we have found the one that Moses wrote about. Again, relaying the power of the gospel to say, hey, we found the Messiah. And all of a sudden, these one invitation for two guys to come hang out where he was staying turned into six disciples. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel. Now you've got six disciples. And he tells these six disciples, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so the next thing you know, and, and there's, there's two ways to fish, guys. One is that my dad fishes. He wants to go to, to areas we've already fished that have a history of containing fish. And I'm kind of different. You know, he wants to go to the same old holes all the time. I said, Dad, you took the fish home. You ate it. It isn't there anymore. But he likes the same three islands, mangrove islands. Thank you, dear. And, you know, I'm a guy that wants to go where nobody else has been before. Because if you can find fish that are not pressured, that haven't had a million lures thrown at, they're easy to catch, like, like today's sermon, catching fish in a barrel. You know, it's one of those moments, if you can find that one place where fish are, but nobody wants to pay the price to get there, you can really catch a lot of fish. And so Jesus 
takes this, he's going to give them an example of fishing. And he says, come on, follow me. And they don't even see the fishing rod in his hand because it's spiritual. And he takes this fishing rod. And he ever noticed that Jesus is one of those guys that like to fish where nobody else would fish. And he likes to find those fish that, uh, that have not had a lot of lures thrown at them. And so he goes to a guy named Matthew. He's a crooked tax collector. And this is the thing that stood out to me last week when I was sharing this message. Is that, you know, he didn't ask Matthew to get saved. He didn't say it. Now, what, what, before you make a decision, let's kneel down here and pray. He just walked up to a crooked tax collector. Nobody had fished for him before. Everybody hated him and walked up to him and said, hey, follow me. This dude did it. He gets up from his tax table and starts to follow Jesus, getting transformed on the way. And have you ever noticed that it, when you realize how, you know, sometimes you've been saved for a long time and you've edited your testimony so much that you have lived so righteous that it was a blessing for Jesus just to get you on the team. But that wasn't my testimony. I was much like Matthew that realized I was a long way from where God intended me to be. But have you ever noticed when you first get saved and you don't know all the church rules and you don't know all the church things, you just do crazy stuff like inviting people like you. You know, you ain't looking for church people that are, are dissatisfied, not being fed. You, you start looking for people like you that are just fish waiting to get caught. And so this dude, Jesus, ends up at a party. Now, he tells this guy, no prayer yet. He tells this guy, come follow me. He follows him. Next thing you know, Jesus is at a dinner party. You know who he's at a dinner party with? He's with the saints of God. No, he's not. He's with more crooked tax collectors and sinners. Because that's all Matthew had on his Rolodex. That's all, that, that tells you how old I am, Rolodex. That's all he had in his contacts. That was it. He didn't have any other people in his Facebook friends and his circle and his tweeting and his texting and all of that. He just knew people like him. So he texted everybody, meet at my house. I've met a man. I met a man that uh, nobody else talked to me today. And he just said, follow me. I think he's the Messiah. Come and see. And you know what? The hypocrites of the day called the Pharisees, they got mad at him for fishing for this type of fish. And they said, hey, what are you doing, man? I thought you were like a prophet or something. And if you were a prophet, you'd know who the people you're associating with. And he said, oh, I get it. You think that the one that is being sent from heaven to earth is coming to handle people like you and to give you more than, of, of what you've already received. But the real issue is, is that I've been sent from heaven like a doctor to sick people. And he said, look around. There's a lot of sick folk. Fishing is good. <laughs> See, we believe that the transformational power of the gospel and the authority of Jesus can take anyone in any condition, in any position of life, and through the transformational power of the cross and the shed blood of Jesus and the authority of His resurrection, He can make a saint out of a sinner. Can somebody say amen? amen. So we started with that in mind about fishing. And then Jesus takes this thing to a whole nother level. In this week's sermon because we're going to discuss the fourth chapter of the book of John. Now I don't want to take the time that it's necessary to read the entire chapter. So I'm going to encourage you when you get home to read the entire chapter. But Jesus, the chapter starts out like this. Jesus was leaving Judea and going to Galilee. 
So I did what every pastor does when they're trying to research. We use this wonderful experience called Google. And so this morning I just decided, hey, I'll Google. How long does it take to get from Judea to Galilee? And they said, well, it, it depends on where you're going in Judea and where you're going to Galilee. But if you go from the tip of Judea all the way to the tip of Galilee, it'll take you about 15 hours. 14 to 15 hours. Some people said it would take you about a day and a half, depending on how far you wanted to walk or what you wanted to walk and do. See, I'm a traveler, much like I like to fish. I like to go there, and if they're not biting, I like to go somewhere else. You know, my, I, I, that's how I traveled. So if you were one of the travelers, it would take you about 14 hours like me that everybody's going to go through the drive-thru. You're going to, when we stop and get gas, everybody's going to use the bathroom. And no stopping in between those things. And for 31 years, Michelle has been working on me. Now I'm somebody completely different. You know, before, pre-Michelle, I wasn't stopping at no Ruby Falls. I wasn't getting any pecans on the side of the highway. And I'm not eating boiled peanuts from any place. I don't know where they're cooking them. But now she has informed me, David, it's not about just getting to the destination. It's about the journey. <laughs> now I'm eating boiled peanuts from a gas station. Nobody knows how long they've been there. They've just been simmering day after day. And I'm eating them and calling them delicious. And we enjoy the trip. Well, how many of you would have a 14-hour trip and choose on your own? I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to add six hours. So my 14-hour trip just turned into 20 hours. And you know what? 99% of every Jew would choose to walk six more hours to avoid a place called Samaria. They would walk in the heat for six more hours to avoid walking into a place where they had worshiping uh, differences. They had cultural differences. The Samaritans were Jewish and something else. And then the Jews were thinking that they were purebred Jews and they were different and more than this group of Jews. And they just hated each other. And to add fuel to the fire, the text literally says that in the old King James Version, it said, I must go through Samaria. And so how many of you, when you go fishing, you got a fish in mind that you want to catch, and most of them are fish you want to eat. Now, for those of you who don't, don't fish, that means that we like to catch like redfish and snook. Delicious. Red, red snapper, grouper, kingfish. Delicious. We don't want to catch a jack or a catfish, saltwater catfish. They're not good to eat. We don't want to catch a ladyfish. They'll bend the pole, but we can't eat them. And so we value what we're going for. So can you imagine what Jesus is going fishing for today? The Bible literally says this. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near a field that Jacob had given his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well as it was about the sixth hour. Not only did he go into Samaria, which most Jews would not go do, they would rather walk six hours around. He said, I'm not walking six hours around. I'm going fishing. And I've got to go to the straightest path. And you know what fish I'm going for? I'm going for a fish called liar today. See, the city of Sychar means the city of liars. Yeah, I'm going to go find me a good liar today. How many of you, if you were going to fish for people, would say, give me the liars? Not many of us. But Jesus did. 
See, there's a difference between when the pressure gets on, you tell a few fibs. That's not good. Let me go ahead and say that. But there's a difference between that person and the person that's a liar. A liar gets up ready to lie. A liar's looking for a place to lie. He don't even have to lie. He just looks for a place to lie. That's the city. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to go fish for a liar today. And so he's getting there. It's about noontime, and he's sitting on a well. That's why the message is called fishing in a barrel. If you could ever fish in a barrel, it's good fishing because they don't have any option but to eat what you're giving them. You've contained them in such a small place that they'll eat anything. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to fish right here today, looking for one fish called liar. And lo and behold, on the horizon comes a woman. She's carrying a pot, and she's walking towards the well he's sitting on. She doesn't even see his spiritual fishing rod. There's nobody else with him. So I'm assuming that in my imagination, he kind of whispers up to the Father, you know, in Holy Spirit. He says, hey, she's on her way. I see the fish. <laughs> she's coming. She's carrying this bottle probably on her head. She's got a little bucket and a little rope. She's going to throw the bucket and the rope into the well. She's going to pull it up the water. She's going to put water in the jug. And she's going to go back home. That's what she thinks. And so Jesus, he's a little different type of fisherman. Jesus, have you ever noticed that Jesus really doesn't care about your feelings? He really doesn't. Like when conviction comes, he's going to convict you of the sins you want to get rid of. Those are the easy ones, the ones that are causing you hell on earth, those, those chaos moments in your life, and you're ready to give those to Jesus. But he's even going to convict you about the ones you want to keep. Woo! Yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of rough like that. He's, he's just after all sin, not just the ones you want to give away. And so he tells you about your real self. And so Jesus, this is, a, this is a perfect analogy of what he really does in David Pleasant's life and I'm assuming in your life because sometimes I think I got it all together and he said, oh man, there's a little stuff up under the rug here, man. I looked under there, there's dust up under there. You're going to have to take care of that, Dave. There's, that's going to create you a problem one day. And I, most of the time, I don't know if you're as stubborn as I am, but sometimes that we think God doesn't really know what he's talking about when it comes to us and we look under there and go, no, that's not that bad, I'll be all right. Until chaos hits, and now I'm down on my knees going, God, please forgive me and help me out of this mess. You know those people like me and like you? You know, I had a friend of mine that drunk two beers, or he drunk about six beers, actually, and um, uh, around a pool on a, uh, on, a, um, on a holiday. He didn't wait long enough to jump behind the wheel of a car, and he got a DUI. And now he wants me to come up there and go to court with him and pray with him like, Pastor, please, please pray. I'm praying, man, but you should have stayed home. You know that thing you wanted to hold on to and not do it responsibly? Yeah, you did it and then decided to drive. And, you know, lo and behold, there's the police. You know, pray with me. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to pay $10,000. Well, there's a cure for that. Just do it. Just give it to Jesus. Let's just say that. <laughs> Let's just say there. Let's give it to Jesus. You know, and so... <laughs> Here's Jesus. Let's get out of that. Let's back up a little bit. You know. Pastor, are you telling me I can't drink a beer? I'm going to go to hell? No, I'm telling you if you drink a beer, too many beers, and you decide to drive, you're going to go to jail. Just like that brother. That's what I'm telling you. And so, here's Jesus. He really doesn't care about your feelings. And here's this woman, and he looks at her. She gets close to him. He says, hey, give me something to drink. She says, wait a minute. 
This ain't normal. First of all, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You're not supposed to talk to me. I'm not supposed to talk to you. And by the way, you notice I'm a woman. And, you know, and Jesus ain't going to argue with her. That's why he just cut straight to the chase. He said, okay, I won't talk to you. Go get your husband. Wait a minute. Well, I ain't married. You're right. Because you've had five of those things. And the one you're with is not your husband. Now she's like, holy smoke, this dude's different. Because every day she is coming because of her reputation at a time where nobody else will be there so she can avoid human contact because her reputation has preceded her as a woman that goes through people. And that's the truth. And I'm going to give you some good, solid gospel today that will allow you to understand the authority of the name of, of the power of Jesus in your life. And so he says, you're right. And he says, you know what? You've been coming here every single day because you're thirsty on the outside. But you're broken on the inside. And if you'll ever drink from the water I have to offer, he just baits his hook. That's all he does. He says, hey, wait a minute. Fishing's good. You're a fish. I'm here for you. And I'm going to dangle. Hey, you're so broken. You're messed up. You're going through people after people. And I'm going to give you water where your soul will never thirst again. That's pretty good bait. Before I leave that, let me teach just for a second with this water bottle. Because if you come to me for counseling... Oh, I'll use this one. It's already open. If you come to me for counseling, you're probably going to hear this, especially if you're broken. And if you're broken, I encourage you, come, let's talk. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to believe God for miracles, and we're going to see how we can solve the issues. You know how we're going to do it? Is if this bottle has a pinhole in it at the bottom, it does, what happens when you're broken is you get deceived by the enemy that says, if you just put better stuff in your bottle with a hole in it, it'll stop the leak. I don't care if you put $1,000 an ounce champagne in this bottle. If it has a pinhole in the bottle, bottom of it, you know what's going to happen to that $1,000 an ounce champagne? The same thing that happens to water. It's going to leak out. This woman had a hole in the bottom of her soul that was leaking out. She was trying to fill it with men. She was trying, you know, most people don't say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't fill it with men. Yeah, but you'll try to fill it with success. You'll try to fill it with, with titles. You'll try to fill it with this. You'll try to fill it with that. You'll try to fill it with entertainment. And every single time you think, because it fills up and it doesn't leak out immediately, you think this time's the time. But what happens is that little hole, one drop at a time, gets you to the same place you've always been, and that is empty. You cannot keep the value of anything you place in that life of yours until you fill the hole that is at the bottom of it and it can only be filled with the power of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Your pay raise ain't going to get you there. It'll be temporary. You'll learn how to spend as much as you learned how to spend the last time you got paid and until you fill that little hole. So he says, hey, I'm here to fill the hole. Let's make sure... Why don't, why don't you drink from me? And for the first time, he said, oh, wait a minute, got a bite. For the first time, she drinks from water that's different from the water of the well. And she drinks from a living well that starts to quench the thirsting of her soul. And he reels her in. And he says, yep, I caught a liar today. But she's got destiny in her, soul, in her life. 
Because why would a God that it seems so interested in the world, why would he stop for such a woman as this? Why would he go and walk in a place he shouldn't walk and just talk to people he shouldn't talk to? And why would he do all this? Because he knew living inside of her, if he could catch her, the city was his. You know what she did with an invitation to drink water that would quench the thirsting of her soul? She took a little swig. She forgot her bucket, her pot, her rope. And she ran back into the city and started telling everybody that she could, Hey, Jesus, this man named Jesus is a man that told me everything. Come and see him. That's why I told you last week 72% of people would come to church with you on Easter Sunday if you asked them. Seven out of ten. A hundred percent of them will stay home if you don't. Ooh, that's good right there. I felt the Holy Spirit right there. We gave a thousand of these away last week. You know what? I had an intention of picking up about 200 of them. You know how many we picked up? 30. That means you want to use them. We're going to have a thousand more next week. Amy, will you get ready to play me something for a few moments? There's a fish... Now, please, before you send me emails and stuff, listen to all of this. I'm going to try to go with Brother Ryan. He, he and I are going to go to the Keys here in a couple, a few weeks, somewhere around June, I think. Because in June, you get to catch this thing called a mahi-mahi. We call them dolphin. Latin America, I think they call them dorados. Yeah. It's not flipper, so don't email me and say, Pastor, why are you eating flipper? They're so beautiful and they're mammals. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I know there's a lot of this political correctness, but I fish for one purpose, to eat. Well, don't you think it hurts the fish to have a hook in its mouth? I don't really care. (laughs) I just want to get it in the net so I can get it on. It, it... (laughs) Anyway, well, when I lived in Panama City, let me see if I can do this right, because my son makes fun of me all the time. I was talking with Terry the other day, and and we we realized, ladies, they've had you hooked for a long time, these people in marketing, you know, because they convinced you you need the right person, the right shoes. They finally did it to all of us fishermen. They said, you need to look good when you fish. Like the fish care. (laughs) I mean, these pants are like, I can't tell you how much these pants are. These pants are like, they say, Michelle bought these for Christmas. They're not supposed to stain. And they cost enough (laughs) that you could buy three more pair. But these are the ones that are not supposed to stain. And then you've got to have a hat that matches and a buff that matches. Because you got to look good. They finally got us hooked, and I'm there. I'm like $60 hat, $60, or $20 hat, $60 shirt, and a $45, $50 pair of pants. Yeah, it cost me $150 to look good while I fish, but I'm in. But there's a fish, this, El, this Dorado, this, this Mahi Mahi. Any of you ever eat it at a restaurant? Say amen. See, you don't care either. And, and like, yeah, he's going to get in trouble for that. Yeah, you, you're the same. You order it too. And did you know that it's a pelagic? That means a deep water fish. It's also a brand of clothing. I got a few of those hats too. 
and it's a deep water fish. And we used to go off the coast of Panama City and we would see those, that line hit. And what happens when, when a dolphin hits like that, it'll jump up and it'll, just, it'll jump out of the water and it'll start to shake. And it is beautiful. It's got this big fin that don't have any spikes. It's just beautiful. And, and, and what happens is, is when you know what you got, so when we would see one of those on the line, everybody would reel in their reels real quick and you would cut the lines and just tie on a hook and you would cut every piece of bait you had in just chunks. Because there's a principle. Because you would bring that dolphin up to the boat and a dolphin is a schooling fish. So as long as you kept one in the water, you caught them all. So what would happen is I'd bring mine to the boat and somebody else would hook one and they would bring theirs to the boat and I'd bring mine in and now it's in the box which is later going to go on the plate which is later going to go on my table and then it's going to go in my mouth. And as long as you kept one in the water, you caught them all. He knew if he could catch one liar, he could catch them all. He knew that if he could take the person that knew what it was like to not be chosen, to be avoided, to be scoffed at, to be assigned an identity that would never change. See guys, don't just go fishing. I want you to start fishing for your aunts and uncles, your brothers and sisters. But there's people out there that are far away from God. And if you use one of these, I believe we can catch them too. Those people that nobody wants to invite, that's the ones I want. I don't want you to go, please don't use this on somebody that goes to another church. They're too valuable. Let them stay at their church. They're a good church probably. But there is a whole lot of people that says, you know what, this is why we know there's so many people. How many people have you ever talked to that said, if I go to that church, the roof would fall in? Anybody ever heard that? Say amen. Amen. I just felt a growth spurt. I had to get it off for a minute. <laughs> That's good stuff. I don't care where you are. You know why they said that? They said that because they've been convinced probably by another Christian, by their attitude. They've convinced that they are so broken and so messed up that they are so unworthy that if they ever did walk in the building, God would be so offended that He would crush them with the roof. But I'm here to tell you that's not the God that I serve. I serve a God that when he puts a fishing pole in his hand, he said, let me go where, where no, where's nobody fishing? Oh, city of liars. Let me go get one liar and transform her life into a woman of God. And she'll go get every other liar in the city and bring them to me. And we'll have three days worth of revival because somebody drunk from a well that they would never thirst again. And they didn't decide to get more water. That's, you know, come on, folks. There's sometimes that we got some messed up things going on in our life. When we go to a church and, and we're all of a sudden saying, well, what do you got for me and my family? Why don't you get a drink of the living water and not worry about before you take the next drink, why don't you go find somebody as thirsty as you once were and give them an opportunity to drink? Give me two more minutes. I'm going I'm to remind CCM. How many of you went to CCM? Say amen. Yeah, yeah. How many of you did not go to CCM? Say amen. Oh, you're going to really love this story. I got everybody mad one time. Furious over communion. I said, guys, this is what we're going to do. I, I, I went through my elders 
and uh, talked to the ushers. I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to serve communion. Don't go past the fourth row. So they got their communion thing. So I prayed just like every other Sunday. And they went out and they went, one, two, three, four. You'd have been the last one with communion. You guys would start getting mad because you were thinking you were going to get some. They just turned around and went back. And they got back up here and I said, has everybody been served? They said, no, sir. I said, well, we need to serve. Let's serve again. You know what they did? They went to the first four rows again. And they got to right here and they stopped again. Now you're getting a little more mad. And they turned back around and we did it the third time. They were so furious. I said, isn't that what it's like in America? That you come to church every single Sunday and hear the power of the gospel. And there's people on this planet that have never heard the name Jesus. And you keep wanting more and more and more. Feed me more. Feed me more. Feed me more. And their anger turned into conviction. And we had one of the greatest altar services in the history of CCM. When they realized that they had a privilege of hearing about Jesus every single Sunday but that wasn't everybody and we made a decision to take it Pastor Carlos to Argentina to Spain to Cuba and any place that we get the opportunity to help facilitate the authority of the gospel no matter where it is it can be the behind the iron curtain we believe that if Jesus can save a woman at a well of a city of liars he can walk into the iron curtain and revival can break out can somebody say amen I asked the congregation last week to think of the person that needed the, the grace of Jesus more than any other person because that's who we want to invite maybe that's how you got here what's going to happen is Amy's going to lead us in a moment of worship and at the end of that worship I'm going to tell you that the same Jesus that 2,000 years ago went to a city nobody else would go to set a service up on March 31st for you to be here in Fort Myers and the same drink of water that he gave her he could give you so would you bow your heads and if you're already saved I want you to start praying for somebody that may be here that isn't saved that needs to drink from the water that you had an opportunity to drink from will you stand?